Thank you for tuning into the Shorts Decks. I'm Lisa Quintero, Young Adult Librarian. And I'm Lizzie Jelly, Virtual Engagement Librarian. This is a show where we talk to you about what we've been reading, listening to, or watching. And this week, we are talking to you about what we've been watching uh, the last year or so, um, <laughs> pandemic times. So, and we're going to be talking about stuff primarily that we've been watching that's available at the library because there's been a lot of stuff we've been watching that's been streaming, but unfortunately a lot of streaming stuff isn't always available on hard copies, so. Absolutely, which can be super frustrating for people who don't um, want to have 8 million subscriptions to streaming services. So we've got some great alternatives here that you can find at the library. Yeah, so do you want to start us off? Oh, absolutely, I will. All right. So the first one I want to talk about actually came out, um, it was released in February 2020, like Mm mid-February, and I was all ready to go see it in the theater. I was so excited because they were playing it at the Oriental on 16mm, and it is Emma, the most recent Jane Austen adaptation. You know I'm a Jane Austen girl. (laughs) Um, And the reason I want to talk about this, because this is one of the first films that I remember they really had to like cut off the in-theater premiere, and they made it available to watch at home. Mm -hmm. So I watched it. Mm-hmm. at home and it was really interesting and fun experience like in a way I was a little sad because I love going to the movies mm-hmm. that was I think the thing I missed the most over the last like couple of years but being able to watch it right away in my house and like pause it to like chat to my husband and be like <laughs> oh my gosh we've seen that character before and this thing and this thing and he's like what are you talking about <laughs> It was actually very fun because I tend to be the annoying person at the theater. So it was nice that I wasn't annoying anyone but the one who consented to being annoyed. Um, So I, if you can't tell, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so funny and hilarious. And a lot of um, Jane Austen adaptations that I watch kind of miss her sense of humor a little Mm -hmm. bit because her writing is meant to be so, so, so funny. Mm -hmm. And not that she's like making fun of the characters, but she's kind of, you know, giving us a bit of a morality play by putting them in these funny situations where Mm -hmm. they're often humbled, like Emma is. Mm -hmm. And I thought Anya Taylor-Joy did such a fantastic job of being Emma, especially that, like, early confidence that she has to display of, like, she knows everything about everything. She's going (laughs) to matchmake the whole town. She is, like, God's gift to love in their village. And then her apology tour at the end, oh, my gosh. (laughs) She did such a fantastic job of really, like, bringing us on that emotional journey with Emma's character and how she really had to have that self-reckoning to be like, I actually don't know anything. Sorry, guys. I messed up all of your lives. My bad. Let's try a redo. (laughs) So it was very funny. And I also, when I first saw it, didn't realize that Bill Nye was going to be in it as the father. And he was hysterical. The father is one of the funniest characters, in my opinion. Like when he has all his little screens up to block the drafts and you're like, Oh, he's just, you know, mm-hmm. a little paranoid about the wind, about Does illness. Is Bill Nye the science guy? Bill Nye. Oh, Nye. Um, okay, sorry. Wait, what? <laughs> I say it the way my husband does. Okay. He's Irish, so it, like, I don't know. Okay, gotcha. It's a whole thing, but he was so funny. He does okay. this little, like, jump off the stairs at okay. one point, and it's just, it's so hilarious. And he really did a great job of, like, bringing the well-roundedness to that character, because in the book, he's pretty static, a little bit, okay. like, loves his daughter, doesn't want her to leave, and is a little, like... He uses the fact that he's so scared of being sick to keep Emma around. Mm-hmm. And Bill Nye did such a fantastic job of playing that character and, like, the little positioning of the screen so he could give her her privacy but still be in the room. Mm-hmm. It's it's hysterical. Uh-huh. And the costumes were fantastic. So highly recommend uh-huh. for anyone who has not seen it yet. 
Cool. Yeah, I've never seen or I haven't seen the new version. I've seen the uh, the Gwyneth Paltrow version. Yes, that was like early two thousands, yeah, I think, which is yeah. also good, but in a yeah. different way. Yeah, and then I remember hearing a long time ago one of my favorite movies growing up was Clueless. And I remember hearing oh. that, that Clueless was supposed to be yes. kind of like an adaptation. It is. Of it's like a very like, loose yeah. spinoff, which is very funny when you think about it. Yes. And it makes a lot of sense when you watch it with that lens. You're like, oh my gosh, okay, yeah, it shares Emma. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Cher would also be like, totally. <laughs> like, totally. <laughs> oh, now I want to watch that one, too. Yeah, I actually saw that one at uh, the Avalon because they screened it there. And it was funny because it was like a theater full of women in their 30s. And oh, yeah. And there was like maybe like three guys in the whole theater. <laughs> and, they, I, and at the time, I sat with my partner and he was like, you know, I got a whole new sense of like what comedy is for women versus yeah. for men because he was like... All these things that all the women in the room were laughing at, he's like, I didn't know, like, I didn't think of them right, as funny. I didn't get the like, joke. I didn't get the yeah. joke. And it's like... It's like, no, that movie is definitely for us, yes. um, which is part of why I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah, so one of my favorites is a more he- recent movie. Um, it was Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, which is the Tom Holland Spider-Man, because there's been, you know, various incarnations of Spider-Man, but we get guest stars, uh, guest appearances of past Spider-Man. So we get uh, Andrew Garfield makes yes. an appearance and so does Tobey Maguire because in this Spider-Man movie, basically Tom Holland is trying to make certain things happen. Um, he gets Doctor Strange involved and all these different universes get mixed up. And so anybody who's familiar with the multiverse knows that this can sometimes happen. And so all these villains from these other universes show up in Tom Holland's universe. And so then the Spider-Men from these other universes show up in his universe as well. And they work together to try to kind of reform the villains Mm -hmm. instead of putting them behind bars or or trapping them. They're like, we're going to try to make them good humans. But doesn't go exactly as they plan. Never does. <laughs> also, you know, Wisconsin's own Willem Dafoe is in the film. Yes, we love um, Willem Dafoe. He makes a, a reappearance as the Green Goblin. And yeah, uh, because I've, I've enjoyed Spider-Man since, like, I've watched them all since the Tobey Maguire ones. Um, I love Sam Raimi. And so, um, yeah, I was super excited to see all the different Spider-Men and them, you know, be their, their version of Spider-Man. Um, and I love Tom Holland. And it was... Just like a feel-good movie, but there were a couple scenes that if you've watched like the other trilogies, you also, you know, got some like emotional, emotional content in there that I definitely teared up a couple times. Um, yeah, because there's like, you know, there's a scene where, I don't want to spoil things, but there's a scene where like MJ's falling and the Andrew Garfield character like saves her. But like anybody who knows about, you know, the Andrew Garfield version of Spider-Man, like Gwen Stacy dies because he's not able to catch her when she's falling because he has to choose between catching her and like doing this other thing to save the city and so yeah so that got me that got me oh, the, absolutely yeah it's just like this is stupid i'm crying in a spider-man movie it's like it's fine <laughs> so yeah what else did you watch yeah um oh my gosh i watched so many things but also I watched part of Spider-Man No Way Home because uh-huh. I happened to walk in when my husband was watching it and it was like the tail end where it's all three Spider-Mans in one room uh-huh. and all I could picture is like the Spider-Man meme where they're all pointing oh, yeah, at pointing each other. other. Yeah, they actually recreated that like in <laughs> photographs where they're all pointing at each other and I was like, this is this is great. It was so funny. So I have to watch the whole thing because it looked, it looked just hilarious and fantastic. So. Yeah, and it's one of those movies too that, you know, if it... Like, it's truly for, I mean, if you're just a regular comic book person that, like, just likes going to these movies, you, you'd get it. But if you are a true Spider-Man fan who's seen all of them and seen, like, Into the Spider-Verse and seen 
all the different, you know, adaptations and read the comics, there's a lots of little Easter eggs in the movie too, so. Very fun. <laughs> Speaking of super fans, the other thing that I watched throughout the pandemic was Outlander, of course. <laughs> um, so season five came out February 2020, right before everything got very terrible. Um, and I clung to that show like it was my <laughs> life. Um, I was like every, I think it was premiering on Sundays at that point. I'm like, this is what I do. This uh -huh. is the one part of my routine that is the same. I will be watching Outlander at nine o'clock on Sunday. Do not call me. Do not text me. I am unavailable. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so I really like clung to that through the end of May 2020 when it finished up and the hashtag droughtlander for all the fans <laughs> hit me so hard uh -huh. because this was the longest we had to wait between seasons uh -huh. ever. Usually we would wait about 18 months, but before season six premiered, like I think last month, it was almost two years mm -hmm. exactly, which is a long time for us <laughs> Outlander fans. Um, but obviously I loved it because I'm a huge fan of both the books and the series, but uh -huh. This may wrap me out a little bit. I watch the series, like, each season before I read the book, <laughs> um, which is a controversial take, I know, uh -huh. but I find I enjoy it a lot more that way because they are substantially different uh -huh. in a lot of ways. There's things that are similar, but the plot lines really deviate, mm -hmm. and I have found I like it a lot more if I watch it and then read it, mm -hmm. which is probably not true for everybody, but if you're like me and sometimes you have that little, like, you know fight in your head about it maybe watch it and then read yeah that's what i did with the uh, game of thrones because mm. i like started reading the books and then at one point they kind of diverged a lot and i was just like i'm just gonna give up on the books for now and just, just watch, watch the show and then once the show is done you know I'll, I'll read the books but i'm waiting till he finishes the series which i don't think is ever gonna happen i'll for me say to that finish. was <laughs> yeah because he uh he's got i think Two more books that he said he wanted to put out. And, and they're long. They're long, and he's not getting any younger. <laughs> I think he's, like, 80 now. Yeah. So um, we'll see. We'll see. We're all waiting, hoping that we find out <laughs> how, how George R. R. Martin wanted the series to end, but maybe he's happy with how it ended on HBO. I don't know. Fair enough. Would love to know. I do that with Bridgerton, too. I watch it and then read it because they are so different, and a lot of fans get very upset at some of those differences. So yeah. I'm glad to hear I'm not alone. <laughs> Yeah, so one of the other things that I watched actually started on a streaming service and is now available on DVD, and it actually won an Oscar for Best Documentary, which was a little bit overshadowed because there was all that Will Smith, Chris Rock thing oh, yes. that happened when it happened. Yeah. Um, but it is the Summer of Soul documentary, and it was directed by Amir Questlove Thompson from The Roots. Um, and it is a documentary about a music festival that happened in Harlem in 1969 at the same time that, like, or one of them because it was... Uh, like a six-week-long music festival that happened in the summer of uh, 1969. And one of those weekends was also Woodstock. Mm, um, and so Woodstock has had all sorts of movies and yeah. books and things made out about, about it. And, like, nobody really talks about this, this festival. And so Questlove was like, I'm going to, you know, put this documentary together because all these huge people played it. Like, it was this thing that happened at, um, what was it, Mount Morris Park. Um, and it was on Sundays. Mahalia Jackson played, Nina Simone, B.B. Um, King, uh, they had Fly and the Family Stone, um, they had Stevie Wonder, and it was amazing because it's like, I knew that Stevie Wonder played the piano. Yeah. Um, they have a, a, a thing where he's playing the drums, and Ooh, I have no cool. idea that he plays the drums, and he's like 16 or something, he looks super young. Oh my gosh. Um, and he's like playing the drums, and he's like awesome, and it's just amazing. Um and I've always been a big fan of, of soul music, so it was interesting because I'd never, I'd never heard of this, you know, yeah. and, and 
Um, yeah, it's frustrating that that is how, you know, our history works. Like, white people history sometimes gets more of a spotlight oh, than, yeah. you know, people of color. Um, but I'm glad that Questlove was able to make this documentary. I'm glad that it won an Oscar and that it's getting, you know, more screen time. And yeah, we, we ordered a copy for the library. So if you are interested in watching it, you can watch it and watch some great performances. Um, yeah, I highly recommend yeah. it. I'll absolutely be requesting that one. My mom, like, loves BBK. So <laughs> got to add it to my list just for her. Um, yeah. This is for you, Paula. <laughs> All right, I'll switch gears a little bit back to a Marvel movie, which is a bit rare for me, actually, because I'm not generally a huge Marvel fan, but my husband is. Mm -hmm. And he's like, come on, just watch it with me. And I said, oh, fine, you know, like, yeah. I'll sit down and watch it. And we watched Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And it was really good, actually. I loved it. It was so cute and funny. And it came out in September 2021 for context. And we watched it, like, at home, like, the virtual premiere, mm -hmm. which was something that I really liked, actually, mm -hmm. about the past two years. Like, as much as I love going to the theater, it's also fun to, like, watch it in my own house so I can, you know, do my annoying thing and yeah. make the popcorn halfway through and hit the pause and ask questions, as I do. Um, but I really, really enjoyed this film a lot. And I didn't realize that comedian Aquafina mm -hmm. was in it until I was watching it. And I was like, wait, yeah, I love that's her. Aquafina. She's so funny. And I had no idea. And Tom was like, wait, who? And I was like, Aquafina. No, you don't know who Aquafina is. And she was hilarious the whole time. Didn't realize she was going to end up being one of the main characters. Uh -huh. And I'm so glad she was because it was hysterical, yeah. but also so good. It was one of those that really took me on that roller coaster mm -hmm. through it. And I love like, okay, I say I don't like Marvel movies. I usually like the origin stories of okay. everybody because it's like self-contained. I don't have to know anything about anything. Mm -hmm. I can just sit there watch and enjoy and I don't have to worry that like Thor is going to show up halfway through and I don't understand where he was uh -huh. because now we're in space yeah. but it was so good so funny and so like intense in terms of like watching him like battle with his father for like mm -hmm. the legacy and like oh it's just chills I can't I don't want to spoil anything that happens or about that but like the dragons were so cool <laughs> and the little like mystical I can't remember his name the little one with his wings oh, he's yeah. furry yeah, he, he doesn't really have cute. a face yes. he's so cute and he's like <laughs> giving them directions in the car, and they're driving through the woods. It's so funny. Highly recommend. Um, even if you're not a normal Marvel fan, very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one a lot, too. And I'm, I'm the same way. It's funny because I love comic books, and I love, you know, Marvel uh, films, and I like DC films as well. But yeah. I tend to also like the origin stories because I've, I've always been more of a character-driven person mm. than, like, an action-driven person. Like, I like action, but, like... The Avengers movies, I feel like sometimes they have way too much going on. Yeah. And sometimes that just, like, I don't want to watch a movie that's just 20 fighting scenes. And that's, that's, <laughs> if that's your thing, that's cool. But, like, you know, I want some character development to happen Absolutely. In, on screen, too. <laughs> so. I do. I come from, like, you know, I'm a romance genre lover at heart. So I love to, like, get to know my characters, love my characters, relate to them, want them all to be my friends. So I'm very much the same with the character-driven parts of it. So, like, yeah. the second it moves on to, okay, now we're going to go save the world battle. I'm like, all right, I'm going to fast forward through these 10 minutes to Tom's dismay. And I'm like, I'm going to come back when they start making jokes and having banter and like dealing with the family trauma again. Yeah. 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 So, um, I like that one a lot too, but yeah, Eternals also came out and that Ooh. one I, I wasn't as into because again, that's one where it's like more focused on battles and like yeah. less on like individual stories. Like there was a little bit of individual story, but not you don't get the same depth, you know, because there's like six or seven different people. And that's like, what I was wondering. It yeah. was on my list because everyone was talking about it, but I have not watched it yet. But yeah. I was like, that seems like a lot of people to keep up with, and I'm yeah. not very good at that. Yeah, so I was just like, eh, that was okay, but I like Shang-Chi a lot. Yeah, so another thing that I watched um, 
that actually came out before the pandemic. Uh, I watched because Netflix had this show called Midnight Mass. Mm -hmm. And that one, unfortunately, is not available on DVD. But if you have Netflix, I highly recommend it. And the guy who wrote and directed that show um, also, I found out, did The Haunting of Hill House and oh. The Haunting of Bly Manor. And I had not watched either of those. And we have The Haunting of Hill House here on DVD. And I watched it. And it's so good. And I love Shirley Jackson. Um, she wrote a lot of like horror stories. And she's very well known for the lottery. Um, but this is about a family that lives in this big mansion. Um, the parents are... And I don't know how close it is to the story because I've never actually read the story, but I want to read the story now. But the, the parents, you know, are renovating this big mansion. They, they're going to flip it. And while they're there, they're there with their, I think it was like four or five children. And so we get little snippets in like each episode of like each child's different story kind of because it okay. goes back at like through flashbacks. So like we like are at one point we're in the future and this guy who's the eldest son has written a book about living in this haunted house. Ooh. And then but all his, like, siblings, like, half of them don't talk to him because they're mad about him, you know, exploiting their childhood. And, and their mother ended up um, dying under mysterious circumstances. So we don't know if it was, like, suicide or what. And, and sure. throughout the show, you it kind of builds up. And at the end of the show, you find out how and why she died. Um, and slowly throughout the show, you see all these different spooky things happening. And one of the, the children has this ability to where if she touches people, she can see things that are happening to them or that might happen to them. Okay. So she, as an adult, she always wears gloves around people because she doesn't want people to touch her. Oh, fair, um, yeah, that's traumatizing. Like. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was really cool seeing them, like, like you know, what's happening to them as children versus as adults and how the trauma affects them as adults because, like, the, the littlest two are twins and the youngest sister, um, she actually is the person who played, and I'll talk about the show You. She's on You, and she played Love Quinn on You. Um, but she is, you know, has a lot of mental health issues, and she has a lot of problems sleeping. And then her twin brother ends up becoming a heroin addict because he sees all these apparitions and ghosts Ooh. following him everywhere he goes. And so, yeah, it was super creepy. Um, it was really interesting seeing how, you know, the trauma played out in their lives as as adults. It was really interesting seeing the family dynamics, you know, because it's like sibling dynamics are always kind of interesting to me to watch. Um, you know, some of them are like getting along with each other more, and some of them aren't, and then, you know, there's all these secrets and, you know, just, yeah. So I highly recommend it if you get a chance to watch it. It's a self-contained show, so it's not like a million seasons, you know, it's just like, I think it's either eight or ten episodes. Oh, nice. And then that's, that's it. It's over. Um, and sometimes I like that because sometimes I'm just like, all right, I don't want to have to worry about future seasons. I just want to watch something that is contained in Midnight Mass. If you have Netflix, it's also like that. And again, that one I also highly recommend. Um, but yeah, I will go into you a little bit then. Since yes, absolutely. <laughs> perfect segue. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you also is a show that initially started before the pandemic and then like the second and third season, I think came out during the pandemic. Um, like, the second one came out, I think, right as the pandemic was starting, and then the third one came out, like, towards the, I mean, it's not, technically the pandemic's not over, so, you know, but, but like, <laughs> it, still, it yeah. came out more recently. Yeah, so it's really interesting. It's this show about this guy who works at a bookstore, uh, and he's really into literature, and he is mentally disturbed and stalks this woman, and ultimately in the first season, spoilers, he ends up murdering her. Um, but then in the second season, he finds another woman who, who he falls in love with. And in the second season, um, we find out that 
you know, she also has some of the same tendencies that he does and their energies are matched and they both are like very intense, mildly serial killer people. <laughs> he, oh no. he, he like latches on to a specific person and is like, and like builds this fantasy in his, in his mind about what this person is like oh. and what his life is going to be like with them and how great it is. And, you know, and, and then she, um, when she finds out, like, cause he falls in love with her. And so he builds this, like in season two, he falls in love with her. He builds this whole narrative around her. Um, you know, she's a pastry chef and she makes all these fancy pastries for him. And, and, um, you know, he's like, he, he really is into women who seem to have some sort of like psychological damage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, so season two, he filed, falls in love with Love Quinn, who is the woman who is also on Haunting of Hill House. And, you know, he has no idea what she, what she's like. And she eventually finds out about how he stalks other women because, um, you know, he falls in love with her, but he finds that she's not she's not enough for him, and he's not quite ready to take it to the next step, which is usually when he, like, kills them. It's okay. <laughs> so, probably a good thing yeah. overall. <laughs> and so he, uh, he ends up seeing this other woman and kind of latching onto her, and she finds out about it, and so she, like, ends up freaking out and killing the other woman because... It's a, like, a jealous rage thing. And so her, like, serial killer tendencies to, like, kill her partners. Oh, no. <laughs> Potential love interest. No one is safe. <laughs> and so at the end of season two, he's, like, going to kill love because, you know, she knows about his bad she tendencies. killing and his girlfriend. And she killed so. his girlfriend. Um, but then she drops the bomb that she's pregnant. And then so season three goes into them, you know, getting married and settling down and having a baby and being these two psychopaths who are married <laughs> to each other um, and continuing their mind games. Um, if you like creepy, mystery, you know, things, if you're into serial killers, um, which I know a lot of people in the Milwaukee area are. Um, I have so many <laughs> people fair. who talk to me about, like, Jeffrey Dahmer and things. Like, I don't know. <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing, I recommend it. Uh, it, is, it is sometimes predictable, but it is, it is good entertainment. Um, you know, it, and there is some on-screen violence, but it's not too gratuitous. Okay. Um, yeah, but he's got creepy things like he has this room in his basement, and eventually they get their own room in the basement where they trap people. And, oh no! Oh, that's that's one of the great things. So like, oh, <laughs> great in quotes thing. <laughs> so season three, like, you know, has some kind of funny moments because they go to couples therapy and like they're like trying to talk their things out but without saying that they're like saying that they're serial killers people and things like that and at one point they end up putting this other couple into their like secret chamber in the basement of of the bakery because um it's a bakery oh, <laughs> woman um she's like a blogger like a mommy blogger and she's and they've, they've like moved to like this town in california and she's always like shaming love about like you know but like doing that like that like thing that some people do where they're like they smile and they pretend to be nice but are really insulting you oh yeah <clears throat> and so she's like constantly doing that and then ends up finding out about something that they're doing and so they end up trapping like first I think one one of them brings the woman down in there and then the other one ends up getting like involved with the the, the husband somehow and so then the couple's down there and oh yeah it's uh the, the husband's like does like these weird like I'm a man retreats where he takes the men out <laughs> into the woods to like to like let their primal man out or oh, something yeah, yeah. and so so um yeah so both both of them end up trapped in this this room and 
there is some dark comedy that happens. <laughs> I mean, it does sound funny. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's an entertaining show. <laughs> There's a lot going on. If you with like that dark, one. dark, dark humor, um, mystery, you know, I say check out you. And we've got the first two seasons on DVD here. The third season, I don't think it's on DVD yet, but it is available on Netflix. So yeah, you had something else. Yeah, I do. Um, so as we all know, the last couple years, it was a bit of an interesting time for movies coming out, mm-hmm. shows coming out. We had to wait a little longer. Some things got canceled that we didn't expect to be canceled. So something that I did a lot over the past couple years is rewatch TV shows that I have loved for years. Mm-hmm. And so when I read, I read romance. Uh-huh. When I watch TV, I watch supernatural teen dramas (laughs) go ahead believe me all you want um (laughs) but i love them they're my bread and butter the shows that everyone else cringes at are my favorites so of course i rewatched buffy the vampire slayer long-standing so many seasons um everybody well most people have seen it i hadn't seen it for a long time but loved it still love it today you can find it all over the place it's easy to access dvd streaming because it's an older show um also I love the predictability of a show you've watched before, right? At a time when I'm looking for comfort, anything, just to escape a little bit, Buffy was there for me. (laughs) Still so good. Um, And the other one I watched, there's a bit of a theme here, um, was Vampire Diaries, of course. Um, And I actually, although it's based on a book series, I have not read the book series before. I've only seen the show. Mm -hmm. So for fans of the show, something I recently learned about the book series is that it's even more wild than the TV show itself. Um, it's a young adult series. It's here in the system. I actually checked out the first book uh-huh. and I'm going to start reading it soon. Okay. So I will let y- y'all know. Anyone can ask me about how, exactly how much more wild it is. Because the show, <laughs> anyone who's seen it, we know it's wild, right? Like yeah. every season that progresses is like, okay, now we're going to go wake up vampire Silas for the cure to vampirism. What? And we have to go to the secret island and now like grandma's a witch and there's an occult professor who is okay. also trying to kill grandma. Like it's a whole thing. Yeah, I've never watched Vampire Diaries. I've seen <laughs> Buffy. I've watched Supernatural, but I've never watched Vampire Diaries. It's, um, I'm not going to say it's good. Because <laughs> is it more like teen soap opera? Like oh, absolutely. Like, like if you yeah. love like Twilight, that kind of stuff, no. Vampire Diaries is for you. Very soapy, very like love triangle focused. Like One Tree Hill? I have not vampires. seen. Okay, yeah, probably exactly that actually. But I, so I love it obviously because it gives me a little romance element. It gives yeah. me my supernatural element. Caroline is my favorite character, and Klaus is my other. I'm a okay. big Caroline fan. Hashtag, um, which is a controversial take. And there are a couple spinoff series as well that I haven't watched. So I know there's like the originals, legacies. Um, but I'm, I'm a big fan of the OG cast. Okay. So, and the other one that I really watched, um, rewatched was Teen Wolf. Okay. With Tyler Posey and oh. Dylan O'Brien and everybody. And it's, I love it. It's okay. like, you know, it's the classic, like, coming of age. Yeah. Oh, no, I go through puberty and now I'm a werewolf kind yeah. of thing. And But they play lacrosse. Okay. <laughs> so they're sporty werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the movies, but I didn't know there was a show. It's, um, and it's good. It came out, I think it finished up in, like, 2017, 2018. So okay. it's not super old. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we've got some of the DVDs here. Okay. If not, okay. they're in the system. I know mm-hmm. that much. And there actually is a movie coming out. The cast is reuniting, except for Dylan O'Brien, I think, which is a whole other thing. Go on Twitter if you want to learn about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's all there. There's receipts. But um, it's, I won't call it good, but if you like supernatural teen dramas, it's exactly up your alley. Like, there's so many um, different kind of um, 
supernatural figures that come into it. Like we get werewolves, obviously we get a were coyote at one point. We get banshee. There's um, a creature called a canima that comes up at one point. It's okay. cool. Okay. It's really cool. <laughs> and one of the oh, I can't remember his name now, but he is releasing a biography coming up um, about what it was like to be closeted gay during the time of filming the show. Okay. Um, so look out for that because that's going to be really cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. In terms of a show that I revisited, um, I, you know, I like a lot of dark and I like <laughs> a lot of that. But sometimes I also like funny and light. And so I revisited Broad City, which, um, yes. you know, is a comedy show. If you're not familiar, it stars Alana Gra- uh, Glazer and Abby Jacobson. And they are these two women who just randomly meet on the street in New York City and become best friends. And they are absolutely ridiculous. Um, and uh, the show also features Hannibal Burris um, as one of their their partners, and they get up to all sorts of shenanigans. Like there's some great episodes where like each episode's kind of like comedy of errors. Um, mm. There's always something goofy going on. Alana's always doing something wild. <laughs> and I love that. Abby's <laughs> usually like, uh, "Is this really what we're doing?" But like you know, she's there to go along with things because Abby's kind of the the, you know, slightly dorkier, shy one, and Alana's the, like, I'm all out here all the time. I have no shame. I will run down the streets of New York City naked if I have to. (laughs) Balance is important. (laughs) So, yeah, and that one, we have the complete series on DVD. So in each episode, I think it's, like, half an hour. So it's one of those ones that you can just kind of take in little bits and pieces if you just, like... I watched it because I would watch some of my dark horror creepy stuff, and then I'd be like, that was kind of dark, and, and I need something lighter right now. <laughs> it's like, so I need like, a little sweet treat yeah, to kind of so lighten Yeah, so it was the like the thing that I would watch after watching, you know, View or watching, you know, Midnight Mass or whatever I was watching. <laughs> eat my Eat my ice cream and watch Broad City and <laughs> laugh with the girls, so. Oh, that's what we all needed during the pandemic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's pretty much everything I had because, like I said, most of the other stuff that I watched is streaming, and I really hope that some of it comes out on DVD because, like, there was like a great show that came out last year called Reservation Dogs. That's like yes. a first like fully indigenous cast uh, TV show, but so far it's not on DVD yet. So hoping that some of these shows come to DVD because yeah, it's frustrating. I know I get some patrons who are like. You know, I don't have streaming services, I don't have internet at home, and I really want to watch some of these things that are everybody's talking about. And, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I watched another one, what was it, Our Flag Means Death, which was also a Taika Waititi production, and yeah. oh, it's so good, but it's it's nowhere. Like, yeah. it's nowhere else to watch except to stream it, so it's yeah, it's frustrating to be like, oh, yeah. but I want to tell everybody, and I want everybody to be able to see it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, I'm glad that some of the bigger shows, though, are still, even though like they're, you know, on a streaming platform, like Handmaid's Tale is on Hulu, um, they're still putting it on DVD, and so that was... Just like you with Outlander, that was one that I waited a long time for the the fifth season, fourth season. I can't remember what season yeah, we're on. There's a lot of seasons, yeah, actually. So, um, and I've been, I can't say it. It's like enjoying in quotation marks because <laughs> right. I like the show, but also like it's horrifying. Right. It's like it's a little too close to home sometimes. Like, ooh, <laughs> is this entertainment or am I just hurting myself? Like, yes. ooh. But, yeah. And uh, one thing that I wanted to point out, since you mentioned that one of the shows that you talked about was uh, based on a book, uh, You is also based on a book, which I have not read, um, but I'm curious about. And then, like I said, you know, Haunting of Hill House is based on a Shirley Jackson book, so I'm curious about that, too. And I want to, I'm guessing it, it probably very, it's very different than the TV show, because the TV show is, you know, set in 2022, and mm. I think she wrote it in, like, the 50s or 60s, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. interesting to see the differences. I love a good film adaptation of a book, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, if you have any recommendations of things for us that we should watch, you should let us know. Yes, please. If you please. have any questions or comments for us, you can email us at shorewoodstacks at gmail.com. Now we go on to some library news. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. So we are already in the month of May, which is bananas to me, and we have quite a few things coming up this month, actually. We've got our Family Fun Night to Go kit available on Tuesday the 10th, which is also a busy day for our children's events with Rhyme Time Tuesday and two sections of Rhyme and Read, Rhyme and Read Laps It. That's a tongue twister in itself right there. <laughs> we have Art Cart to Go available every Wednesday this month. And adults looking for job help can visit the Job Center of Wisconsin Drop-In Help on Wednesday the 11th at 1.30 here at the library. Um, story times continue this month on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pre-registration is required for this session. We also have our AM book club coming up on Thursday the 19th. They meet at 11 a.m. And this month they are reading The Drifter by Nicholas Petrie, who looks like a bit of a, a mystery, kind of a crime novel. Ooh. Very wild. <laughs> um, I know we have more coming up, too. Oh, yes, we sure do. On Tuesday, the 24th, photographers Janae Sacken and Michael Brazelli are doing an event at the library um, about their journeys to South, Southeast Asia. Cool. Um, so that is happening at 6.30 on Tuesday, the 24th. Um, and as we all know, summer is just around the corner and summer reading is kicking off. At the end of May. Yeah, yeah. Heidi and I will be kicking off both the children's and teens reading. And this is actually our last podcast episode of the season. So Aww. that means that we won't be back until September of next, or not the, not next year, this year. September of this year. But, <laughs> feels like know, so far away. Yeah, it feels very far away. But yeah, so we will, we will be back. But yeah, uh, summer reading, you know, kind of takes over our lives. <laughs> you can find all the events that are going to be happening on our website at shorewoodlibrary.org. And they will be listed, uh, you know, as we are scheduling them. We are in the process of planning all of that out. So there should be some good stuff both for children and teens this summer. And we're hoping to have a lot more of in-person things, you know, which we weren't able to have last summer or the summer before. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And if you have children in school, they'll probably be seeing Miss Heidi or I <laughs> as we make the rounds, telling everybody about summer reading. Do you have anything else to add before we wrap up this season? I don't know, but thank you for listening and for taking me on as a new co-host. It was so much fun, and I can't wait until next season to tell you more about all the romances I'm reading. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, as always, thank you for listening, and be well. Shorewood Stacks is written and recorded by Lisa Quintero and Lizzie Jelly for the Shorewood Public Library. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. The song is called Ice Flow and can be found on Incompetech.com. <laughs>